you guys this morning. Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for these brothers and sisters. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to receive instruction from your holy and precious word. We pray, Father, that the principles that we talk about this morning in this course seminar session about kids and technology would be for the good of our soul and the good of our family. Help us to think wisely and well and live wisely and well in relation to technology. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, electronic narcotic, face magnet, portable babysitter. So those are just some of the synonyms for your smartphones, tablets, and other devices from messaging friends to knowing the latest news almost instantly to watching a funny video to checking in with your spouse or getting everyone back together at the hangout spot to listening to music or to a sermon during our commute to email to the task list to calendars to movies need I go on technology is part of our life it is everywhere we have an internet of things is that a problem is it a problem for you is it a problem for your kids Al Mohler noted in a study by the Kaiser Family Foundation on this issue saying, as anyone who knows a teen or a tween can attest, media is among the most powerful force in young people, is maybe one of the most powerful forces in young people's lives today. Eight to 18 year olds spend more time with media than in any other activities besides maybe sleeping. An average of more than seven and a half hours a day Seven days a week. So technology is with us, and whether good or bad, one thing is certain. Technology is affecting us. It's affecting our kids. And because it has become literally a part of everyday life, most of us don't think about it very much from a day-to-day perspective. It's the air that we breathe. Now, on the whole, we probably view technology and social media as neutral, And in a sense, it is. In a theological sense, we'd call this adiaphora. It's neither right nor wrong in and of itself. But I want to pause here, and I just want to to issue a call to to thoughtfulness. And actually, I want to pause, and I actually want to issue issue a warning to us, in fact. Certain technologies can have dangers that are inherent to them. John MacArthur puts this this way in a Nine Marks interview with Mark Dever. Here's what he said. Now people have in their hand what is essentially a deadly weapon, the most forceful tool for life-destroying temptation that's ever been put in a human hand. You've never been able to bring temptation at that level, visually, audibly, with that availability in history, ever. You can pollute yourself faster and more extensively than ever. I'm just going to repeat that last line. You can pollute yourself faster and more extensively than ever. So, it is imperative, it's really important, that we stop and think about um, this thing called technology. Neil Postman, a secular humanist, 
wrote in his book Technopoly that a family that does not or cannot control the information environment of its children is barely a family at all. It may lay claim to the name only by virtue of the fact that its members share biological information through DNA. That the family can no longer do this is, I believe, obvious to everyone. Interestingly, Neil Postman wrote this in 1992. He wrote that in 1992. He died in 2003. He actually wrote a book in 1994 or 1995 called Amusing Ourselves to Death, which if you were to read that book, it would read like it was something written yesterday. Just substitute his thoughts for the television for an iPad or an iPhone. It it sounds like it was written yesterday. So, uh, in fact, it's a really good book that I would suggest you read for your own soul and as you think about your kids and technology. Neil Postman, Amusing Ourselves to Death. Uh, It is easy to grab. In fact, I have it suggested for you there in suggested works. Okay, so here's the thing. Is Postman right? Have families lost the battle? How do we know? Does the Bible give us any guidance, especially as parents in the area of technology and social media? So to help us answer that, I have 10 questions that I hope will help us test from Scripture, the effect of technology in our lives and our homes, especially as parents. Now, my goal in this, this morning, brothers and sisters, is not to draw bright, distinct lines. You can do this. You cannot do this. That's not my goal. But my goal is to encourage us to think together about this important topic. As the Apostle Paul said, whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Second Peter 2.19. Now, also, let me say this. So when I talk about technology today, I mean information technology, including the internet, laptops, iPads, right, smartphones, communication devices, entertainment devices, uh, all that stuff. By social media, I mean social media. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iMessage, Snapchat, Pinterest, Reddit, LinkedIn, etc. And as to all of these tools... I do believe God's word has much to say. So with that, let's think about 10 questions. Are you ready? Are you with me? Coffee's in the back. It's going to be an exciting day. All right, here we go. Number one, uh, is it helping us be present in our families? Is it helping us be present in our families? That may seem like a strange question. Doesn't technology help us be present everywhere? That's the beauty of having a Twitter account. Right? Well, not exactly. When I say present, I'm thinking of things like Deuteronomy chapter 6. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Like we've talked about when we talk about family worship, God's word should be the constant subject of our conversation at home, right? Shouldn't be like, this is what we talk about one day or one period of the day. It's just, it's, it's kind of the air we breathe. It's something that we want to impress upon our children when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up. And the point here as it relates to technology is, is kind of like the television could make somebody a latchkey kid when I was growing up. Did anybody, anybody remember that phrase? A latchkey kid, okay? That was a kid who would just come home and turn on the TV, okay? 
That was, that was me when I was growing up, except I, that wasn't really me, but it, in a sense, okay? A la- just like the television can make somebody a latchkey kid when I was growing up, the phone is becoming an electronic foster parent. And we should not delegate our job of influencing our children to a phone or tablet. And I don't just mean technology, because the tech is simply a gateway to other people, including their friends and many who are not. It is our privilege and it's our responsibility to talk with them when they get up and when they lie down about God's commands. So, just in our house as it relates to technology, our kids use tech for learning and for play, okay? But their online time is limited and it's monitored. Dads and moms, here's a word to us as well. We need to put our phones down. We need to be present as a family. The emails can wait. The blog post can wait to be led, read later. And nobody cares about the picture of your meal, right? Uh, so, now, on the upside... And I, I did write that I am the guy that took a picture of our Thanksgiving meal. Um, now, I did. I did right there. Um, but I didn't post it on social media. But I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying. All right. Now, on the upside, okay, because we're not like just poo-pooing technology this morning, okay? That's not the goal. The goal is not to just say this is terrible. Technology can be helpful for us. Technology actually can help us to be present since COVID-19. Many of you have worked at home thanks to Zoom. And this type of technology can be helpful if you genuinely have to be home, away from home. Say, deployed abroad with the military, Skylar. So his daughter has a, 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 a watch, it's all locked down, but she can just kind of ping it and be like, hey dad, you know, how cool is that, right? I mean, that's a benefit of technology, so it actually can help us to be present, but but untethered to wise thought and self-control, it can actually keep us from being present. Does that make sense? I think, of course, it makes sense to you. So that's the question number one. Is technology helping or hindering you from being present? Number two, is it helping us be alert? So have you ever noticed in Scripture how many times Scripture commands us to be alert? How many times Scripture commands us to be watchful? How many times scripture commands us to be awake? And how easily technology and social media can render us lulled and distracted by our longing for the next info snack or what's going on, right? Just think about the poor guy that walks into a light pole while texting, right? It's a perfect metaphor for our culture and for many of us and for many of our kids. We've got to... to pick up our heads and we've got to put down our phones. Brothers and sisters, the final judgment is coming. So life is moving and we're staring at our face magnet, texting. The question is, are we watching for chances to serve or are we playing the newest game on our phones? What is it? Is it Candy Crush? You know, is it 2042? Like, what is it? Like, what's the newest game? Somebody tell me. You're like, I'm not going to tell you because then you're going to know I'm playing. No, that's not it. What's the newest game? It's not Angry Birds. No, it's not. (laughs) You guys are sissies. Nobody will even admit that you're playing it. Okay. Well, the question is, um, you know, are are we looking for opportunities to serve? Are we being alert? 
present with our family, or are we just sucked into a device, right? And in one sense, I get it. I totally get it. Long day, tired, take a couple of minutes to zone out. But perhaps we're too ready with that excuse. Richard Newhouse speaks of the listlessness of, I really like this quote, he speaks of the listlessness of, quote, evenings without number, obliterated by television, evenings neither of entertainment nor of education, but of narcoticized defense against time and duty. That's a pretty good quote. So dads and moms, by your habits of technology, are you teaching your children to be content to, quote, swim in the shallows and pass their time with passing the time, end quote. That's a quote from from Kevin DeYoung. Moms and dads, with how you relate to technology, with how much you're on it, with your relative engagement with it, relative to are you engaging with them? Are you teaching your kids to be content to, quote, swim in the shadows, swim in the shallows and pass their time passing the time? If your family at times seems totally addled by technology, consider memorizing this scripture. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Romans 13, 8 and 11. So is technology helping or is technology helping or hindering you from being alert? Number three, is, is it helping us be transformed? God commands us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Romans 12, 2. There is a pattern to how this world thinks, and the pattern presses itself on us, forcing us, if it can, to conform. Surely the endless bombardment of information from technology and social media is a worldliness delivery system that is absolutely unequaled in human history. Can somebody shake their head and say yes? Thank you, Brad. He gets paid to say yes. Are you guys still with me? Okay, all right. Nicholas Carr, in his book, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, collects an impressive array of research showing that our brains are like plastic, and what we run through them carves deep channels that are hard to remove. Think about that. Technology actually shapes your brain. That's like scientific support for what Paul said 2,000 years ago. The world wants to conform you. Be transformed by God's word. Carve biblical channels in your brain. Now, here too, though, we have to balance this. Technology can also be very helpful. It has never been easier to read, hear, see, memorize, share, study, understand Scripture because of technology. But friends, remember, our minds are being conformed to something and we need to be mindful of what is shaping us. And we've also got to ask, if our brains are plastic, what are our kids, right? So what channels are you carving in your children's brains? Run God's word through them all day and all night. Help them to be transformed by the whole Bible, meditating on it with them all the time. And yes, leverage technology to help you do this, okay? So, is technology helping or hindering you from being transformed into the image of Christ? That's number Number four. Is it helping us grow in wisdom? Information technology can blur the distinction between knowledge and wisdom. 
Okay, information technology can blur the distinction between knowledge and wisdom. We need to remember that. Biblically, what's new is not always better and more than what is best. The latest blog post may well be less valuable than something written 500 years ago. Indeed, it probably is less valuable since the blog post hasn't yet lasted 500 years. Okay, plug for old books. We need to help our kids see that they live in a swamp of often entirely useless information. We have got to help our kids see that they live in a swamp of often entirely useless information. And we've got to teach them how to find true sources of wisdom. So that may mean simply shutting off the games and media and handing them books, especially older ones. For us, among other things, this means encouraging our kids to read real, physical books and books that they aren't even particularly interested in or excited about. One of my most popular moments as a dad in last year's, uh, I'm speaking facetiously, in last year's pandemic was when, by the way, I felt like we had pretty good digital boundaries going into the pandemic, then I felt like we just lost our way with the pandemic. And I I still feel like I'm trying to catch up and figure out what life is like because everything, it seemed like, went online, which then had an effect on all sorts of things in our household. So I'm trying to still figure that out, okay? But one thing I did in the midst of the pandemic when I was about to freak out with just how much my kids were in front of a screen was I said, all right, everybody's got to read. And I got like five books that I wanted the olders to read. And I was like, you are going to read these books. You got two weeks for each book. And then I want a paper. And then they were like, what? And I was like, exactly. I will not bend. I will not break. You will read. You will present your paper. We will discuss it because I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Felt pretty good. I feel like a loser now because that was a good year and a half ago. But I felt good then. All right. So... Is technology helping or hindering you from growing in wisdom? Next, is it helping us be patient? I'll make this point quick because I know you're getting bored. Uh, That was a joke. The name of the game in technology is speed, faster processors, more bandwidth, quicker downloads, faster information being delivered to you, curated information being delivered to you because then you might get off if you're not totally enthralled by it. And so... uh, But repeatedly, we are taught in Scripture that the wise man is patient. Patient, waiting for his farming to yield fruit. Patient with others' faults. Patient, waiting for the Lord's return. This means we must be able to focus. We must be able to hold on to the long view of things and not always be looking for the next snack from our Facebook or Twitter feed or email telling us, Something's going on and we are needed or wanted, okay? A Christian psychiatrist noted one of the big problems with technology and social media he sees in children and in all of us is that it teaches us to demand demand everything right away. So we don't learn resilience and perseverance, say, with a long book or a difficult problem that has to be worked through. This is true for adults and it's true for children. I trust you see the point. Children need to be taught to persevere. Limiting their time before the flitting screen can help you with this. Is technology helping or hindering you from being patient? Number six, is it helping us be content? So, many of us are visual gluttons, okay? We always need more information. We lack self-control. 
we are enslaved to a continual lust for more content, more novelty, more excitement, more something to draw us in. There's an author named Nicholas Carr who writes of discovering that he could no longer concentrate on his work without stopping to check the web. Here's what he writes. At first, I figured that the problem was a symptom of middle-aged mind rot. But my brain, I realized, wasn't just drifting. I was hungry. It was demanding to be fed um, the way the net fed it. And the more it was fed, the hungrier it became. Even when I was away from my computer, I yearned to check email, click links, do some Googling. I wanted to be connected. Oh my goodness, can anybody identify with this? I can. This is why I actually have had to take the step of covenanting with myself on Fridays. By the way, Friday is the day where I write my sermon. Um, it's, it's the, I'm working on my sermon throughout the week, but Friday is my right day, okay? And what I found on Friday is that sermon writing is, is the most difficult part of, the, of, of preparing the sermon for me, and I don't like it, okay? I like studying, I like thinking, I like discussing, I hate actually writing, okay? And so what I, what I have found is that I look for distractions, and the moment I get to a hard, a hard spot, where I don't want to do the work, I will check email to see if I'm needed somewhere. <laughs> that sounds righteous. Sometimes it's not even to see if I'm needed. Sometimes I check Facebook just to see what's going on. And what am I doing? I've, my brain has been trained so that I don't want to just do the hard work that God is calling me to do in that moment. I want to eject and I want some form of candy. My brain has been trained. Okay, It's been accidental, it wasn't on purpose, but I find myself less able to concentrate and do hard work Okay, because I'm used to notifications, beeps, buzzes, whatever. So on Fridays, I've had to just say, I go in do not disturb mode, I do not check email, I do not check Facebook, and uh, sometimes when I'm leaving the house, I just ask my wife to pray, pray particularly for me that I would not do those things. So I just write from morning until lunch, and then I will check my phone to see if I have calls that I need to respond to. And then I put my phone back down, and then I write again until four when I'm about shot and I want to go work out, okay? So this is just something, this is just how I'm noticing it in my mind, in my life. I don't know how you're noticing it, but Nicholas Carr notices it. I notice it. If you don't notice it, it's probably not that it's not happening to you. It's probably that you're just not cognizant of it right now, okay? So I just want you to ask that question, um, is it helping us be content or are we training ourselves to be just wanting to be filled with more? Um, and wanting to be filled with more certainly is a description of chasing after the wind, isn't it? When we think about Ecclesiastes, it's a chasing after the wind. As the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us, the making of many books, there is no end. The making of many blog posts and social media videos. And that was thousands of years ago before the printing press. So, an important question, can you take a day or two off of Facebook or texting? Can you avoid your Twitter feed for a day? Can you take an afternoon off from email? Could you skip Candy Crush for a week? I really need to know what the new game is, just where it's an appropriate illustration. Uh, 
Can you tell me what a new one is? What? Thank you for your honesty. Church discipline begins now. Um, So, what is it? She likes to watch things. Okay. All right. Now, if your answer is to all those things, sure, I can take some time off from those things. I say, great, but will you do it? Right? What would it look like if you and your family take a technology fast? Why not find out? You'll be the most popular parent in your house for that day. Okay? Is technology helping or hindering you from being content? Helping. Say again. Helping, okay, good. Uh, I'm going to let your mom and dad make more. I'm going to trust their opinion a little bit more. Uh, all right. Number seven, is it helping us be real? So the gospel is not a game. Jesus did not, Jesus' love did not cost him his virtual life. He was real flesh and real blood, and he contended with a real Satan, and he showed real courage. He felt real pain. He was nailed to a real cross. He experienced a real bodily resurrection. Now, please don't get me wrong. If online fantasy literature and games inspire hope of heaven and motivation to accomplish real exploits, they may be worthwhile. But if these sources instead play the deceiver, making you or your kids feel a real sense of courage and accomplishment or a real romantic connection, when you have accomplished nothing in the real physical world, then this is all a joke and a lie, and don't tell yourself otherwise. Jesus calls us to love real families, real church members with real sins and real difficulties, leading to real joy. Here we come to just an important word for all parents, but especially for now, parents of boys, I'm going to read to you a quote from Russ Moore, and I'm going to try to phrase it slightly uh, less intensely than he does given our audience. Uh, He says, things that you can see on the internet promise pleasure without intimacy. Video warfare promises adrenaline without danger. The arousal that makes these so attractive is ultimately spiritual to the core. This is a generation mired in fake love and fake war, and that is dangerous. A man who loves, who learns to be a lover through seeing things on the internet will simultaneously love everyone and no one. A man obsessed with violent gaming can learn to fight everyone but no one. The answer to both addictions is to fight arousal with arousal. Set forth the gospel vision of a Christ who loves his bride and fights to save her. And then train our young men to follow Christ by learning how to love a real woman, sometimes by fighting his own desires and the spirit beings who would eat him up. Let's teach our men to make love and make ward for real. That's a pretty good word, isn't it? It's a pretty good word. In short, our children need courage to love and to fight, to nurture and to protect, and to work in the real world, not a digital world. And I'm even seeing some Christians think that it's okay and that that if if you really feel courageous online, that that really is a good thing. No, it's not. You need to be courageous in real life, not not online. By the way, have you seen that, that Babylon Bee blip about the metaverse? It says... 
God makes an incredible thing with with real. He makes God makes an incredible metaverse uh, with real people, uh, real life, real food, real beauty. It's called the universe. Uh, and it's like, oh, great, right? Uh, we've got the metaverse coming. Who knows what kind of danger lurks there where we in, continue to, to think reality is, is a place that's actually not real. Like, that's, that, that's kind of, that's kind of, whew. All right. Um, all right, so how can we encourage this? How can we encourage being engaged in the real world? By all means, start to put up boundaries. So enact time limits. Place certain things off limits. Install filters, Okay, um, if you want hints on filters, uh, there's a company called Circle that makes a good filter. Covenant Eyes is another good filter. Bark is another. Like Those would be three main companies that I'd tell you to look into. They all have their strengths and their weaknesses, but Covenant Eyes, Circle, and Bark um, are, are filters and accountability devices that you can put on computers and iPads and iPhones and all that stuff. So by all means, have some time limits Place some stuff off limits, install filters, but we should also teach our kids how to respond when they run across something they shouldn't have run across. Even filter providers say, don't just rely on the filter, right? A filter isn't going to help you when your son is handed a phone by a friend with particular images on the screen. Assume that your kids are going to see things they shouldn't see. Teach your kids how to respond when they see it, i.e. flee, and if necessary, repent. And this is something for us to think about as well. As the social media world allows us to create a totally private world that feeds selfishness and pride, what, what combats against that is genuine fellowship, right? On the one hand, we can consume and enjoy whatever we want. We are used to listening, watching what we want, when we want, where we want. We create our own private worlds, which very often others don't know about. As MacArthur put it in the interview I mentioned previously, it can be now that, quote, you don't know my world. I'm not going to tell you about my world because my world is now infected with things that I can't tell you and that I don't want you to know. More than that, we control what others see of us. I not only create my world, I create myself. The only thing you're going to know is the me that I'm willing to show you on Facebook or social media, the me I'm going to tweet The only me you're going to get to know is the me that I want you to think that I am. This can make it a challenge to help our kids grow up being honest, authentic, sympathetic, genuine, and humble. If we do help them to be those things, and they're not quite as slick at communicating in the virtual realm, they'll be fine. Okay? They'll be fine. Is technology helping or hindering you from being real? Next, is it helping us pray? When Jesus faced overwhelming crowds, he went to the desolate places to pray. Do you and your children know how to find desolate places? Can you still your mind enough to pray, to think over a passage and pray it back to God? Can you sustain a a line of thought as you talk with God about an issue in your life or in your family? Do you and your kiddos ever look at news stories as occasions for prayer? Do you pray over emails you receive? The end of all things is near, Paul says. Therefore, or Peter says, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray, 1 Peter 4, 7. So the challenge here is not merely that technology is distracting. 
it promises its own escape from stress, a God alternative, okay? Video games, movies, news sites, they would have us leave our problems behind and enter another world. But God himself wants to be your refuge, Psalm 46. So when faced with a moment of stress, would you or your child rather zone out on the internet or would you rather pray, right? That's the question. Faced with a moment of stress, would you or your child rather zone out on the internet or would you rather pray? Make it a habit of praying instead of just medicating yourself or distracting yourself or distancing yourself from reality via a smartphone. Train, train yourself, train your kids not to run to a screen but run to Jesus. Is technology helping or hindering you from praying? Number nine, is it helping us to be humble? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. Does social media enable you to live a life of well-tended pride, cultivating your public face, your long list of friends? Uh, Do you consider your motives when you share a success or your kid's success on Facebook? Does it inspire you to envy? Teach your kiddos about the temptation to fear men, to sinfully compare ourselves to others, how pride can be behind or fed by what we post, especially through tools like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Is technology helping or hindering you from being humble? Number 10, is it helping us be stewards? We've been warned to uh, multiply our talents and to avoid dissipation. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians chapter five. What is the opportunity cost of your time with technology? I actually think this is just a really good question. What is the opportunity cost of your time with technology? I would even suggest, you might, you might try this, keep a log of the hours you spend in front of a device, okay? Proverbs calls young men to diligent labor. Proverbs 31 woman was not reading romance novels. She was married to a real man with real children, running a real household, staying up real late, getting up real early. Yes, I realize she was a composite person, but she is a picture of how our girls are to aspire to real accomplishment. Okay? Uh, Brad, were you going to say something? Yes, that's, a, that's an oh my, not an amen moment. Yes, yes. Um, and, and yes, let's, let's just, let's be clear again. Technology can be a multiplier. Our family has learned all sorts of things uh, through YouTube. Rather, I should say, I've learned all sorts of things through YouTube. Those of you who know me know that I am not a handyman. Uh, I simply call John Fick, uh, you know, uh, but... I am not a handyman, but through YouTube, I have found out, you know, how you unplug the drain in your, you know, bathtub that's not draining. Uh, you know, I can do that now. Um, so technology can be helpful, um, but we, 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 we have to ask the question, is it helping or hindering us 
to be good stewards of our time. And then here's a bonus question, and then we do have some time for just discussion and questions, okay? Here's a bonus question. Uh, is technology helping me to be holy? James 1.27 puts it fairly bluntly. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Likewise, Hebrews 12.14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Paul told Timothy to flee youthful passions, 2 Timothy 2, 22. Remember MacArthur's comments from earlier. The most forceful tool for life-destroying temptation that's ever been is put into the human hand. Whether it's temptation to visual stimulation on the internet or to emotional fornication or to pride, we must be honest about whether we use technology, it, whether, whether our use of technology is enabling us to think about, as Philippians tells us, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, Philippians 4.8. It can be of help in that way. But if it's not, we need to confess that. And we need to seek the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ to bring our smartphone underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. And then we need to teach and help our kids to bring their smartphone underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ themselves. So the bottom line to contemplate is this. Is technology helping or hindering us and our families from serving God from being holy? Are we mastering technology or is technology mastering us? And I pray that God would give us grace to use technology for his glory alone. So with that, I'm going to open it up to some questions and some, just some discussion. We've got about seven minutes here, so be, is there anything you want to ask or discuss or talk about? And in the meantime, I want to suggest to you one book, which I've actually read twice. There are very few books I've read twice. This is one of them because it was just so darn good. And it's called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. And here are the chapter titles. We are addicted to distraction. We ignore our flesh and blood. We crave immediate approval. We lose our literacy. We feed on the produced. We become like what we like. We get lonely. We get comfortable in secret vices. We lose meaning. We fear missing out. We become harsh to one another. We lose our place in time. This is written by a guy who's not a, who's not a hater on technology by any stretch of the imagination. He's huge into technology, but he's just coming to recognize uh, it's got some serious, it needs to be used wisely and well, and it's addictive in and of itself, and so we've got to do some serious thinking about it. So I would just commend this book to you. If you are about to get your kiddo a smartphone, which by the way, just pastorally, I would suggest to you, don't give your kiddos a smartphone until they're at least in high school. That would be my suggestion to you pastorally. Don't let them get into social media until as they're moving into high school. I just don't think they have the maturity to use it wisely and well and to not become enslaved and addicted to it and to become stupid. Um, so um, that's not a right or wrong issue, okay? But that is pastorally what I would suggest to you, okay? Now, it's one thing if your kid has a, you know, 
has a phone and it's not connected. It's an old phone for mom and dad and that's what they use to, to do some FaceTime with friends and things like that. that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about your kid having his own smartphone, being fully connected to the web at a young age. I just don't think it's wise. Okay? I don't think it's wise. I don't think it's helpful. Um, okay? Uh, so, and, and I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Questions, discussions, thoughts, soliloquies? Maybe not soliloquies. So, you recommended talking to your kids about how to respond when they see something they're not supposed to see yeah. or something they shouldn't be looking at. Um, I'm just curious, like, how, how do you approach that with them? And how early do you approach that with them? I think just an honest conversation. It doesn't have to be super, um, uh, super explicit. But as you're beginning to talk about, let's just say, birds and bees, I think this should be right alongside it. Right? Uh, and included in that, where you're just saying, hey, by the way, somebody might show you a picture of girl body parts or boy body parts, body parts that aren't covered up. And if that happens, you need to come talk to me and let me know, okay? Because that's not a good thing. Uh, does that make sense? So just simple and straightforward. Earlier as opposed to later is my suggestion. Sonia? Um, what Nikki was saying. A little different. Um, Baxter, for example, on the bus has a friend who, they don't have devices, but he'll be describing to him a video that he saw on YouTube. Okay. Um, and I'm not talking about pornography. Okay. Um, or even anything really blue, but just something that um, we probably don't think is appropriate. Yeah. And Baxter, thankfully, will tell me about this, and I'll, I'll say, okay, what did you do? And he's like, oh, I just laugh, you know. And I'm like, well, I... I don't think that we should be laughing at things that like are not funny, you know. Um, I think I think this particular one was um, a video of a kid swearing at his parents. Okay, and um, he's, I said, "Did you think it was funny?" He's like, "Not really," but I didn't want to hurt the kid's feelings, you know. Um, and so I know it's like a particular situation, but like in general, um, I'm thinking a lot about like how our kids react to things that are not godly, you know, um, while still being a kid. You know what I mean? He's not like, hey, that is not a godly thing to look at, and I will not look, you know. But he, I said, you know, next time, just be like, you know what, I don't think that's funny, and change the subject. You that's know right. what I mean? Um, but, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Well, I think the way you handle it is perfect. I think it's just like that. I think we want to teach our kids, don't, don't be thinking what's more important is their feelings. Okay. Instead, be thinking what's more important is just a brightness of their own behavior. And so it doesn't really matter if that hurts the kid's feelings. We want our kids to act uprightly. Uh, we don't want to stick it in their eye. And so you, did, you handled it perfectly, I think, just by saying, next time, just say, hey, I don't really particularly think that's funny. I don't want to, I want to cause it my parents, so let's just, I just, you're not going to watch that. Simple as that. Okay. And then would you say, like, if he came home again and said, oh, yeah, this kid was telling me about other YouTube videos, would you be like, okay, not going to discipline you because you're not shutting it down? I think I would help him structurally and, uh, and maybe um, see about him moving to a different spot on the bus. Okay. okay. Other comments or thoughts on technology? Huge topic. Huge. Oh, come on now. 
big picture, just the fact that most of the answers to these questions would be kind of like obviously no. And if you think about the what what the gentleman who's writing this book is saying, here's all the things it does to us that are unhelpful. Why not just ditch it? Like what 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 prevents us or what how do you help us as as our pastor think through why do we use these and is is this are these just necessary evils? How do we view these kind of well, in, in some ways, it's like I mean, I know, I know, uh, I know pastors who are like, "Hey, brothers, I'm I've gone I've gone to the dumb phone, so you know, don't assume that I'm getting anything, uh, you know." And it's like, you know what? I consider doing that myself. Um, now, there is for for most who are working, there is an expectation of connectivity that is incumbent upon those who are working, at least as professionals that assumes smartphone availability. And so I think for most, technology is is here to stay in that way, and we need to learn how to use it in self-controlled ways, which I think can be done through pursuing some basic habits, uh, like just just pursuing some basic, maybe digital boundaries upon yourself, right? Like like maybe say, 10 o'clock, I'm going to kind of shut it down, I'm not going to be able to phone anymore. By the way, I just I, I kind of go up and down in regards to how I do with this stuff. So personally, sometimes I do better, sometimes I do worse. Um, I, I try as a general when I come in to just put my phone in this little charging station that's right by the door when I come in and not have it on my person. Does that mean I can't go check a text? Of course I'm going to check a text if it comes in because it may be one of you. But if it's not on my person, then guess what? When it's a when it's a, a dull moment in our household, which actually doesn't happen too often, but if it's a dull moment in our household, I'm not tempted to just do this and to just rub my brain. If it's over there and I'm not separated from it. Likewise, typically I don't charge my phone at night right beside my nightstand. I charge it on my dresser, which is not right beside me. So that means I go to bed with a book or talking to my wife instead of doing this. And it also means I go to bed instead of doing this. Because if you do this, you don't go to bed because the stream keeps you stimulated enough for you don't get tired. So I think for most of us, we can. it's a question of how do we, in what ways is technology a drag on us and then approaching that with wisdom for how it's affecting us. The way it's affecting me may not be the way it's affecting you, right? Some of you are like, I don't struggle with those things. That's so great, you're different. But, but where are you struggling? How can you approach it wisely for who you are? That's what I think. So structures... In order to leverage it for its usefulness, exactly, without falling into the traps. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Good. Other uh, one, one more question. Then say, Chris. What about um, helping all kids, but maybe especially boys, with the addictive nature of games? Uh, helping them learn how to enjoy them in a self-controlled way, without just saying, Ooh. yeah, you know. I think time limits, so just forcing it such that they're not on it all the time, and you and your family decide what kind of a time limit is helpful. I also found that in the pandemic, there was a side benefit of there was connection with friends there that isn't there otherwise. So they are, at least for for mine, for my kids, they are playing with their friends in this little online Minecraft world or Call of Duty world or or whatever. So there was an aspect of that that was that I appreciated in the 
distance of the pandemic. So I would just say time boundaries that you and your family decide on that, should, that are just clear because then, they, then they, they have to go play basketball, you know, because my time limit is up for the day. And our time limit is up for today. So let me pray. We'll go on. Hey, thanks for coming, guys. Next week, issues of gender and sexuality. Muli importante tu. Okay? So, come for that one, all right? Tell your friends. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time and for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of technology. Help us to use technology wisely. In Jesus' name, amen.